Welcome to My 10 Sports in this February 9th, 2023 episode. We had some great midweek action review, including the Auburn-Texas A&M game from Tuesday night. Also, the big upset on Wednesday, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, came down to the very end, buzzer beater, walk off the doors. We, uh, we have a solid, obviously, midweek slate, but three real games I want to hone in on between Alabama at Auburn, Mississippi State at Arkansas, and Missouri at Tennessee. We talked some SEC power rankings. We go NFL combine invites that went out. And I will tell you from the SEC who will be participating in the combine in Indy. But first things first, you know the drill. Tip of the cap Thursday. How about South Carolina's new renovation plans around Williams-Brice Stadium that they announced this week? The University of South Carolina, according to the Greenville News here, Athletics Department announced Tuesday that it has issued a formal request for information regarding a billion, billion with a B, billion dollar modernization project at Williams-Brice Stadium, home of the Gamecocks football stadium. There's no formal plan, timelines, or budget set for the project, but the RFI allows the university to hear ideas from developers for more than 800 acres of undeveloped property already owned by the university. From what I was reading and gathering, they're trying to turn the outside area. If you haven't been to williams Bryce Stadium before, it's where they kind of have, they have their fairgrounds in the state capitol in Columbia. And it's, it's a part of the campus, but it's in the middle of a parking lot. It's not close to a lot, middle of a parking lot. From what I understand and gather, they're trying to turn this into kind of like the battery is at truest part for the Braves. That's really what they're trying to turn themselves into. I think it's a... Very creative idea by Ray Tanner, who's the athletic director at uh, South Carolina. It's very creative. I'm interested to see how it was. I'm fired up to see this. The battery is a blast. I do think if you brought in a little bit more modernization, restaurants, places that kind of have some games, interactive bars and stuff around the stadium from a college perspective, we haven't seen that. So I'm interested to see that. Uh, when it'll be completed, I don't know. I don't even think they know. But just the dollar amount, billion with a B is what they're going to invest in this. I think it's interesting. I think it's a great idea. We're moving with the times, but that was the best thing I have seen since our last episode on Tuesday. Wanted to bring that up. If you want to go read a little bit more about it, it's on the Greenville News, Greenville, South Carolina News, uh, greenvilleonline.com. Just kind of Google South Carolina Athletics Department announces plans. But thought that was intriguing, but let's get right into it. Tuesday night's action on the hardwood, the one of the bigger games of the midweek. Texas A&M sweeps Auburn and gets the 83-78 win at Reed Arena. This was a very fun game on Tuesday night. Wendell Green was playing his best until about two minutes left in the game. He kept Auburn in the game until some forced moments at the end were costly for Auburn. Did some Wendell Green things at the end. But C.J. Marble and Wade Taylor for the Aggies were a wrecking crew in a five-minute span. They put together 16 points combined in that five-minute span. Quote here from Buzz Williams, though, overall, and I agreed with him here. I thought they were better than us, him referring to Auburn, tougher than us, more physical than us, and more aggressive than us in the first 14 minutes of the game. I thought they changed in the last six minutes of the second half. I actually thought Auburn played well enough to win this game and started fast. I agree. I 100% agree with that. I think Auburn played well enough to win that game. I saw an interview with Stephen Pearl in the next round the other day, or, yeah, two days ago. He he was like, I mean, I can't be too mad. We didn't play terrible basketball. And it's like Buzz Williams and Stephen Pearl said, for the first half, Auburn kind of took it to him a little bit. Like, hey, like you could tell Auburn was like, hey, we got to play physical. Say an M team is a relentless group. 
Uh, but Janai Broom getting into foul trouble and A&M, A&M stepping up when they had to at home was the difference. A&M is just relentless at getting to the rim, and when they play at Reed Arena, they're going to be tough to beat because they're going to get some of those calls at home, just like a lot of teams do at home. Luckily for them, they still they get Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama at home. They probably have the easiest slate. They're sitting with two losses in conference, two games behind Alabama, but they do get Alabama last game of the regular season at home. Probably have one of the more easier slates left in the conference, especially when your three toughest games you get both at home. Again, the way A&M attacks the rim, downhill style, they're going to get a lot of calls. It's a good thing for them. They get all three of those games at home. Tough one. It's a tough loss for Auburn right there heading into it. That'll be their fourth conference loss. Really knocks them out of it for sure. I thought the Tennessee game did on Saturday, but that really knocks them out of the SEC uh, regular season championship race. Moving to Lexington, Arkansas got a much-needed 88-73 win over Kentucky at Rub. Are the Hogs and Musk starting to do the February run they've had over the past two seasons? It kind of looks like it. After really struggling on the road this year, Arkansas has now won two straight on the road after Tuesday night's win. The Twins held Oscar Shibway in check. And when I talk about the Twins, the post-Twins for Arkansas, Makai, Mikel, Mitchell held Shibway to seven points and seven boards, about eight, nine points off his average. The key in this game to me was Arkansas never went on long scoring droughts like they have been. Forced turnovers when they needed to and shot 70% from the field in the second half. Severe Wheeler was out for the Cats. Just don't really think that mattered, though. But staying with Kentucky here, Cason Wallace is being productive night in, night out. Dropped 24 points on Tuesday. Not as all bad for the Cats, but they got to go reset. Arkansas, tough team. You knew they had to go get a big road win. They needed one of them. Beat their renegade road warriors. I think that was on their scouting report. It somehow got leaked out. I saw online. Some Kentucky hotel got it. Some, one of their players, staff members, left it behind. I'm sure someone's going to get an ass chewing for that because now it's out there. But you can tell this was this time of year in February. Like I talk to my buddies all the time. This is desperation time. Teams that are desperate, and I know Arkansas wasn't playing at home, but I'm specifically going to say a, like a situation here. Playing at home, they're going to when they need a win – a little bit more desperate than some teams that don't. Not saying that Kentucky doesn't need a win. They still need every win. They're kind of they're on that bubble conversation still. But you could just tell Arkansas really was more in desperation mode than Kentucky. They they really were, and they're still banged up. They still got Anthony Black has some issues. Mitchell has an issue with his ankle. Obviously, Nick Smith still rehabbing his knee. Devo Davis has some Nick injuries. Musselman's insane. Just a big win for Arkansas. Just a massive win for the Hogs. Got a big opportunity uh, with Mississippi State coming to town on Saturday. Ole Miss gets its second conference win of the year, picking up a 78-74 win in Athens over Georgia. Jameen Brakefield had a massive game. Miles Burns also went for 20 and got a big Rebs win. Just briefly covering this one. This You could see another matchup here. Uh, this could be another Wednesday night matchup in the SEC tournament the first night. Georgia's really starting to get in that category with Ole Miss, South Carolina, and LSU of becoming kind of those teams that are probably going to be the first four in on that Wednesday night. And then Missouri. Wasn't pretty, but they got the 83-74 home win over South Carolina. The Battle of Como on the hardwood. It wasn't pretty at times, but it seemed like a total mid-conference walk-in, sleep-in kind of game Missouri took on. But, hey, look, it happens. The key is to not letting it turn into an L. Um, I'm sure Coach Gaines is going to turn this into a teaching moment. Missouri didn't play their best at home. They kind of walked through that. Uh, Gigi Jackson did his thing for South Carolina. Got a little help on Tuesday from Hayden Brown and Jacoby Wright. South Carolina is just not a very good team right now. Um, Coach Paris has his work cut out for him there. But I kind of like what uh, he's been doing off the floor. But, again, Missouri getting a big win. Much harder than they probably need it to be. But, hey, this time in February, everybody's got the body aches. Everybody's a little fatigued mentally. You've been playing now for 
seven, eight weeks, two times a week. SEC is a physical league. Doesn't shoot great from the field, but it's a very physical league. Probably one of the more physical leagues in the con in the country, top two at least. Uh, so it, that wears on you. Missouri got a win, didn't learn the hard way, but could have probably played a little better. Moving to Wednesday night's action, Vanderbilt got the win of the week, got the win of the night on Wednesday with their buzzer beater finish to get Tennessee a sixty or get Vanderbilt a sixty six sixty five win over Tennessee in Memorial Coliseum. I will always say it. I trust Tennessee in big regular season games over the ones where they expect to win, especially this team. Tyron Lawrence hit an open three as time expired to give the Doors the biggest win in the Jerry Stackhouse era. Now the final few seconds will be broken down for the rest of the season. This was an interesting Julian Phillips. So just kind of breaking it down for you. Vanderbilt only had like two or three fouls with about 16 seconds left. So they had to go foul four or five times just to get Tennessee into the bonus. And they were down two. They were trying to get Tennessee Tennessee into the bonus so they could shoot free throws. But they were four or five plays away from doing it. Well, you know that had to bar, bother Rick Barnes because Rick Barnes is sitting there like, man, inbounding the ball is dangerous. But at Memorial Coliseum, remember, the benches are underneath the goal. The sideline, you got more room than you would at a normal court. So that's an advantage. That's where they were. Well, anyway, Julian Phillips, on about the third or fourth inbound, passed up on a home run ball. Great play design. Uh, home run ball. Had a wide open dunk, but pulled it out to run more time. I think they fouled him about eight seconds left. They still had to inbound the ball about one, uh, once or two more times. But it would have given Tennessee a four-point lead. Here's a quote from Rick Barnes. He's got to do that. I told him you don't turn a 100% shot down. I mean, you've got to do that. He'll learn from it, but he's got to do that. With 18 seconds, they've got five fouls. They've got to give. They've got to foul. So we've got to go. We've got to go. When you get a wide open dunk, you've got to give it. A red hot shooting performance from three, in my opinion, really sparked this upset for Vanderbilt. It entered the game ninth in the SEC in three-point percentage at 32.1%, but third in both threes made per game and threes attempted per game. Despite the Vols only allowing 4.9 made threes a contest, the Commodore shot 10 of 25 from distance for 40%. The 10 threes by Vanderbilt were the most allowed by Tennessee, their three-point defense all year, which is the best in the country statistically ut was allowing opponents to shoot just 21.9 percent from three this year that did not happen last night vanderbilt tip of the captain vanderbilt they played really well always that's jerry stackhouse first win against tennessee in his career at vanderbilt but they always played tennessee tough they played them tough a month ago in in knoxville it was a close game at half like i said give bandy credit they played well on wednesday and healthy and they're a healthy rugged team and Liam Robbins just adds another level to the Vanderbilt team. They, they really do. They're they're a tough out. It's not just an easy win when you line up play Vandy. They're going to be schemed up well. I think Jerry Stackhouse is a very good XO guy. And then Liam Robbins just gives them another dimension. But massive loss for Tennessee. This probably knocks him out of the regular season title race with three conference losses and still have Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, at Kentucky, and at A&M, and at Auburn. To finish the year so you got six tough games with three on the road i'd be shocked if they didn't drop another one really put themselves in a bad spot probably lost the conference uh chance to be in that um coming here in the last quarter of the season really a&m kind of moving their way up to challenging alabama still two games back from the tide speaking of the tide Alabama got a 97-69 win over Florida at Coleman Coliseum on Wednesday night. The Tide controlled it from the jump. As is often the case, the SEC's leading scorer, Brandon Miller, did Brandon Miller things. Leading all scorers with 24 points. Uh, or was the leading scorer for Alabama with 24 points. Mark Sears added 19 and Quinterly 10 off, with 10 off the bench. Miller also had a team-high 9 rebounds for the Tide. 
Florida also, was also led by its top player. Colin Castleton led the game with 29 points, 10 boards. Colin T Castleton doing Colin Castleton things. A very unique player in today's game where he can play with his back towards the goal. Just almost Bama's game plan. I saw Oates after the game was kind of quick. We should have handled Castleton better. But the thing with Florida right now is you let Colin Castleton get his and no one else really goes off, you're not going to lose. Florida's going to have a hard time beating good teams. Bama just proves over and over again how deep of a team they are. They go 9-10 deep. I mean, this was, Noah Gurley didn't even play last night. If it's not Brandon Miller or Mark Sears, it's Javon Quinterly, Ryland Griffin, Noah Clowney, guys like that, Namari Burnett coming off injury. Guys like that have stepped up. Deepest team in the country. Um, Bama at home minus the Mississippi State game has just been a dominant team at home. Maybe it take the Memphis game was back and forth. But in conference minus the Mississippi State game, in the, in the conference in general play, Bama has just been dominant. Tough week coming up, though. We'll talk about it here in a bit. But at Auburn and at Tennessee, the next two uh, real difficult matchups for both teams as they roll, or for Alabama as they roll into their toughest stretch of the season. Uh, I mean, if you go one and one in this upcoming stretch, you would be fired up, I feel like, if you're Alabama. Going to some other scores, just briefly covering it. Mississippi State got the 64-53 win at home against LSU. LSU drops to 1-10 in the league. Mississippi State 4-7. and seven. Mississippi State can't afford to drop games like that anymore, so they needed that one. State moved up to in Kim Palm 45th after the win and 47th in net. They're still in striking distance. Got a big opportunity to go get a big win at Bud Walton on Saturday that would really help their NCAA tournament resume. Again, though, a little scary at times. Played LSU probably a little closer than they thought, but the game they couldn't drop, they got it. Uh, and we talked about the other ones, so that would be a wrap from a great midweek action. Again, Auburn-Texas A&M game delivered. We thought that would be a great one. Very shocked. With the Vanderbilt-Tennessee surprise, Vanderbilt always plays them tough. Gary Stackhouse always has his team prepared. Didn't think they'd straight up win the game. Thought it'd be a little close, but man, it was an exciting midweek action. But as you know, it's Thursday. Let's go to Mott 10's SEC basketball power rankings, along with I'm going to give you their Kim Palm rating and their Nets rating. Starting off, Alabama at number one. Kim Palm has them at number two. Net ranking number two. Number two coming in in my power rankings, Texas A&M. Kim Palm has them... 36, net ranking 37th. Tennessee dropping down to number three. Kim Palm has them at number four, net number three. Took Kim Palm a while to drop Tennessee down for whatever. Alabama finally moved up to number two. Never really understood that. Had less losses. Uh, I think Kim Palm a little bit adds in the blowout wins. Tennessee's had some very big blowout wins. So is Alabama too. But just very, would, would be interesting what the algorithm there was. But Tennessee nonetheless, fourth in Kim Palm, net their number three. Kentucky comes in at number four for me at 40th in Kim Palm and 40th in net. Auburn comes in at 5th at Kim Palm at 27th. Uh, net, they're at number 32. Arkansas comes in at 6th for me in these power rankings. Kim Palm has them at 20th. Net rankings at 23. Coming in at 7th, Missouri. Kim Palm has them at 53rd. Net ranking 37th. Um, Mississippi State coming in at 8th for me here. Kim Palm 45th and net ranking 47th like we just mentioned. Florida, one-man wrecking crew really coming in at number 9 at Kim Palm 44th. They're in Kim Palm, ninth in mile rankings. Net rankings has them at 46. Florida, I mean, sorry, Vanderbilt coming in at 10th. Ken Palm has them at 95th. Net ranking 97th. The 11th ranked is Ole Miss. Ken Palm, 106. Net ranking 100. Net ranking 118th. LSU sits at number 12 for me at 129th with Ken Palm, 139th in their net rankings. Getting here towards the bottom, 13th Georgia. 123rd in Kim Palm, net ranking has them 129th. 
And South Carolina comes in Kimpom 239th and net at 271. Really, we're, we'll talk about it here a little bit next week. I'm going to go break down kind of what players for the tournament teams, the teams in the tournament conversation from the SEC need to step up for the rest of the month and through the beginning of March. But really, you're talking from an NCAA tournament that has a shot. You're talking about Alabama, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, and Florida sitting at ninth. Um, so I think you got nine teams probably really fighting for about seven spots. I think best case, the SEC would get eight teams in. Uh, so really six through eight, I'm going to go with the average. I'm going to think seven gets in right now as we speak. But those are my power rankings heading into the weekend. Let's just go take a glance, a real quick glance at the standings right now in the SEC just to kind of give you a little synopsis of what's going on. So we got Alabama sitting at 11-0, number one. Two games up on Texas A&M, who sits in sole possession of second place at 9-2. and Tennessee comes in at 8-3. and Auburn 7-4, and tied with Kentucky at 7-4. and Missouri comes in at 6-5, and along with Arkansas being at 6-5. and And Florida joins the party at 6-5, and too. So you got that trio, Missouri, Arkansas, and Florida sitting at 6-5. and Vanderbilt 5-6. and six. You got a tie between Mississippi State and Georgia, both sitting at 4-7. and seven. And then uh, towards the bottom of the cellar dwellers here, I think Georgia's starting to get in this mix. You got Ole Miss sitting at 2-9. and nine, And you got LSU and South Carolina both sitting at the bottom of the league, tied at 1-10. and 10. So that's where the conference is right now. Alabama, two-game lead, has two very tough road games coming up at Auburn. Neville Arena with college ESPN College game day being hosted. Uh, should be a rocking environment. Again, a desperate team at home, always dangerous in February. Auburn really needs that win. Uh, Tennessee the next week. I saw Josiah Jordan-James went down. How long is he out with a sprained ankle? It could affect their play against Alabama. But Texas A&M, with, with kind of an easy, easier stretch than most coming up, sitting just two games back against Alabama, with Alabama the last game of the regular season at home, A&M's remaining schedule. They, they, get at, they go at LSU on Saturday. Arkansas comes to town next Wednesday. Then you got A&M at Missouri. Then Tennessee comes to town. Then they go to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Then they go to Oxford to play Ole Miss. And then to wrap up the regular season, could it be for the title? Who knows? At Alabama, Alabama coming to Reed Arena on College Station. Uh, they got their tougher games at home, and then both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. At Mississippi State could be tougher for A&M. At the hump, that could be an interesting game. They should handle Ole Miss and LSU, but not too tough of a slate with only sitting there with two losses with such a poor non-conference showing for A&M. People kind of had them left for dead, myself included. I mean, I, I thought they got left out of the tournament for the same reasons uh, that they scheduled weak non-conference last year. They did the same and then lost those games. So that's where we stand right now from that perspective in the SEC standings. Let's go SEC weekend preview. Stay on basketball here. Let's go to the weekend preview. We got 11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Kentucky at Georgia on ESPN. Uh, Georgia's kind of fading a little bit. Like I continue to say, hitting a wall. The loss to Ole Miss was bad. They're really getting themselves into that Wednesday matchup of the SEC tournament. Kentucky needs this. This would really get them off a bubble. This is a must win for Kentucky. You cannot be losing to Georgia this late in the year. 12 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, South Carolina at Ole Miss. Yeah, pretty mad game. Uh, Ole Miss at home. I'll take the Rebs going to get on a two-game win streak. The big one of the day, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, ESPN College Game Day will be there in the morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. Alabama at Auburn on ESPN. Alabama's no doubt the better team. There's there's no question about it. Uh, Auburn, again, though, I keep saying that. Desperate, desperate team at home, raucous environment. 
They're going to get up in Alabama's face. They're probably not going to get as many fouls called on them being at home. I'm sure Bruce Pearl and his staff has called the SEC office, complained about the foul to, uh, differential against A&M. Don't, don't, we're all humans here. The refs get a bad rap at time in college basketball. But don't think that's going to be on the ref's mind a little bit. Like, hey, like Auburn's kind of been getting screwed on the whistles here. We need to slighten up. And then the home team always gets the benefit of the doubt in the fouls. It's going to be. I'm interested to see what the line comes out to be uh, on Friday between this game. Alabama's the better team. Alabama should win this game when Auburn returns it here in a couple of weeks to Coleman Coliseum. But this game being at Auburn, I think it kind of moves Auburn up at least 20% for a winnable game to give them a chance to win this game. Weirdly enough, call me crazy. Um if Alabama were to win, this would be very impressive. I lean Auburn a little bit right now, if I'm being honest with you. It's just going to be a tough, ruckus environment. And uh, Auburn needs this. They lose this game. They're starting to be like, I mean, who have they really beaten? I mean, seriously, what is Auburn's best win? Is it Arkansas at home? Uh, is it Northwestern during Thanksgiving week? I mean, not a lot of great wins for the Tigers. This would be one. It's going to be a ruckus environment. Nate Oates is crude. They know that. They know that. It's not going to be Alabama's lack of intensity. I'd be very disappointed in Alabama if that were the case. It's going to be Auburn shoots better at home. Not a great shooting team anywhere. But they shoot better at home. They're not going to get as many fouls called against them being at home. If anything, it could go the opposite. And Alabama gets a bunch of fouls called against them. And you got Charles Bediaco, Nora Gurley, and Noah Clowney all in foul trouble early. I don't know. Neville Arena, top three toughest place to play in the country right now. Bama's going to have to go earn that win. And you got 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Vanderbilt at Florida on the SEC Network. Uh, Florida needs this one. They can't afford to drop. Similar to Kentucky. I know Vanderbilt just beat Tennessee, but again, not a pleasant loss on a resume. Florida needs this one at home at the former O-Dome. I think Florida gets it done. Then 5 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Mississippi State at Arkansas and ESPNU. Big opportunity for State. They could get a big, I mean, quad one win Quad one win on the road. I mean, that would be really good for them. It would be a 20th. I mean, you beat the Kim Palm 20th ranked team, net 23 on the road. That would be massive for Mississippi State. Don't think they generate enough offense right now. I like Arkansas at home. They're starting to play well, though, even though they're beat up. Hey, do we see Nick Smith on Saturday? Mm, I don't know, maybe be a little too soon. Maybe the next week when they head to College Station, like Arkansas to get the win here, though. 5 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip, Missouri at Tennessee on the SEC Network. Tennessee better wake up offensively at some point because Missouri scores a lot. They shoot from three well at times. They don't really rebound well, but Missouri coming into Knoxville, Tennessee thinking they may just roll the ball out, get their get back right, get their get right game after dropping to Vanderbilt, not playing great on offense against Auburn last Saturday. They better be ready because Missouri's going to come play up tempo. Missouri didn't play right great uh, on Wednesday against South Carolina. So you know Dennis Gates is going to have his team back. Hey, we go to Knoxville, we play this, we're going to get our butts whipped, guys. So what's the motivation for both teams coming in here? Missouri may be a little bit more desperate. Tennessee's sleepwalking. Rick Barnes has got to get those guys right. I think this game's going to be close and would not be surprised if Missouri wins this. I just don't really like the way Tennessee's uh, trending right now. And who knows about uh, Josiah Jordan-James? He he went down late, looked like an ankle sprain, had to be carried off. Who knows with Tennessee right now? Be careful for Missouri. Then finally, the 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip. The second 
place. Texas a and Aggies heading to the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in Baton Rouge. Face off against the LSU Tigers. LSU played better against Mississippi State on the road. A&M's not going to lose this game. They're playing too well right now. They're just better than LSU. I think A&M gets the big win here. We got a great weekend of college basketball. I'm really fired up for that Alabama and Auburn game. Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Missouri-Tennessee games. I think there's going to be three great matchups, specifically the Alabama-Auburn game. Watching to see how the Tide handles that environment. They've been in tough environments this year. They, I mean, they have. They went to Fayetteville. Arkansas was a desperate team at Houston. They won both. But this will be a challenge in like no other, not necessarily because of Auburn as a team, but just what you're going to go into. The desperation of wanting that win against their rival and the desperation of needing it for a quality resume win for Auburn. Great weekend in college basketball. It's great for the state of Alabama. ESPN is going to be there all day Saturday. Just good stuff overall in the hardwoods. Flipping back to the – to the uh, before we get you out of here, flipping back over to the gridiron. NFL announces combine invites. I'm going to give them to you by school and by position. Uh, all schools have representatives, so here we go. Leading off with Alabama, leading the league with the most combine invites. Will Anderson getting the invite. Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, DJ Dell, Emil Echior, Jameer Gibbs, DeMarco Hellams, Cameron Latou, Eli Ricks, Tyler Steen, Henry Toa Toa, and Bryce Young. Uh, and then Byron Young will wrap that up. So most Alabama's key guys, juniors and senior, seniors, going out there. A lot of names you know. Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, underrated player. Uh, you guys, obviously, Jameer Gibbs, Cam Latou, Henry Toa Toa, Bryce Young. Guys, you know like that, they'll be there. Going to Arkansas, Jaden Hazelwood, the Oklahoma transfer, he's going there. Uh, wide receiver Matt Landers, Georgia transfer, will be there. Drew Sanders, the Alabama transfer who transferred to Arkansas, linebacker, will be there. Ricky Stromberg, the uh, big center for Arkansas, did a good job this year. He'll be there. Then the other offensive lineman, Arkansas had four starters back this past year. Dalton Wagner will be in Indianapolis as well. Auburn, Tank Bigsby, one of the better running backs in Auburn history. He'll be there. Anders Carlson, another great kicker from Auburn, will be there. Derek Hall, some guy them going first round now. He'll be there to show his skills. On the other side, the other edge rusher, E. Culiota, the linebacker, will be there. Owen Papo, inside linebacker, highly rated kid out of high school. Didn't really live up to the complete billing, but he'll be in Indy. And then Colby Wooden, interesting kid for me. A real versatile combine inside, outside. I'll be interested to see where he goes in the draft, but he will be in Indy for the combine. Florida. Brenton Cox leading them off. Defensive lineman Trey Dean. Defensive back will be there. Javon Dexter, defensive lineman, will be there. Offensive lineman Richard Garage. Linebacker Ventrell Miller. Quarterback Anthony Richardson, who a lot of people debate good and bad, will be there. Will he throw or will he wait at his pro day? Who knows? Justin Shorter, wide receiver, will be there. Osiris Torrance, one of my favorite offensive linemen in the draft. The Louisiana transfer followed Billy Napier and them. He'll be there. Had a good showing at the Senior Bowl last week. And then finally, DB Rashad Torrance Jr. will be there. For Georgia, we got Robert Bill, defensive lineman, will be there. Stetson Bennett, we should have some great quotes from Stetson up there. We'll see how he does during his stay that week. Jalen Carter, top three player in the draft. Karis Jackson will be there. Broderick Jones, the offensive lineman, will be there. Warren McClendon, offensive line, will be there. Kenny McIntosh, underrated running back, will be there. Jack Pelusny will be there. The kicker, Keely Ringo, one of the best DBs in the draft, will be there. Chris Smith, I love the safety. Chris Smith for Georgia, he'll be there. Nolan Smith, coming off injury. It'll be interesting to see what he does. He will interview really well there. And then the big nasty, the 6'8", tight end. Could project a tackle, I think, if people really look into it. But it's Darnell Washington will be there. For the Kentucky Wildcats, Will Levis, quarterback, everybody's kind of all over. I mean, I saw some stat the other day. It was a stat from a guy from on three. Essentially, it was play designs that set up quarterbacks downfield. Like, it was almost like, like – 
plays 15 yards or longer that they gave credit to the scheme more so than the player. Will Levis and Bryce Young were at the very bottoms of the league, essentially saying the two coordinators for both Kentucky and Alabama did not put them in great situations uh, from that standpoint. And uh, number one in that list was uh, Jackson Dart. So a little tip of the cap to Lane Kiven that shows he's drawing up a lot of stuff to put his quarterback in great situations. Again, I think Will Levis' offensive line was a really a lot of his problem. A lot of people are going to see Justin Herbert a little bit in him. I'm not going to go that far by any means, but I don't think Will Levis is bad as some think. Tayshawn Manning, the Auburn offensive line transfer, now at Kentucky, he'll be there. Chris Rodriguez, big physical running back, will be there. And Carrington Ballantyne, the DB, will be there. For LSU, you have linebacker Micah Baskerville, rod receiver Kayshawn Boutte, another uh, Anthony Bradford offensive line will be there, Makai Garner defensive back, Ollie Gay defensive line will be there, big wide receiver Jare Jenkins will be there, B.J. Ojolari, Jaqueline Roy, and Jay Ward rounded out for LSU. For Ole Miss, they kind of got do everything offensive lineman. Nick Broker will be there, Zach Evans, Interesting career. He'll test really well there. Malik Heath will be there. Jonathan Mingo and Tavius Robinson from Mississippi State. Got Emmanuel Forbes, who should have won the Thorpe Award this past year. He'll be there. Tyrus Wheat, linebacker, and Cameron Young will be there. For Missouri, you just have one guy, defensive lineman, Isaiah McGuire. For South Carolina, you have Jalen Brooks, wide receiver. You have Javon Gwynn, an offensive lineman. Zach Pickens, who I really like, defensive lineman. Darius Rush had a great week last week in Mobile. And then Cam Smith, another defensive back that'll do a good job. And sorry, Darius Rush, a DB. Watched some film on him from Mobile in the Senior Bowl last week. Did a great job. Tennessee, you got linebacker Jeremy Banks, punter Paxton Brooks, quarterback Hendon Hooker. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, interested to see what his 40 time will be. Same with Cedric Tillman. Darnell Wright, one of the more underrated offensive linemen in the draft. I look for him to go late first round. I like Darnell Wright. And then Byron Young, the defensive lineman. For Texas A&M, you got Devon A-Chain, the do-everything running back, explosive threat. Uh, Nickel Antonio Johnson will be there. And then uh, do it all, put him on an island. Jalen Jones will be there as well. And for Vanderbilt, finally, linebacker, best player on their defense, very intelligent guy, Anthony Orgy. I'll be interested to see. He's going to interview really well. I'll be interested to see what his testing numbers are and what he ultimately goes in the draft. But that is the wrap for the NFL Combine. Just the SEC, uh, they announced who was invited to the Combine. Uh, the NFL did. So those were all the SEC players. And just to give you a date to the NFL Combine, the full schedule, pulling it up for you now, it will be February 27th through March 6th. Um, it looks like the D linemen and linebacks will go first, followed by the DBs, place kicker and specialists, then quarterbacks, receivers and tight ends, and then rounded out by the offensive line and running backs. Full schedule, if you want to go look it up on Pro Football Network, I'm sure they have it on their uh, on the NFL website. But again, the NFL Combine starts February 27th and goes through March 6th. Uh, so that'll be good stuff there. A little bit shorter of an episode, but we have our 2023 SEC baseball preview uh, coming up. Just got off the interview with Mikey Maltuk, LSU legend. He was center fielder, right fielder for LSU the last time they won the national championship in 2009. We preview, we talk some superlatives in SEC baseball this year. Some of his experience playing in the SEC as a player. Great interview. Looking forward for you hearing that. And then also, I'll give you my 2023 SEC baseball predictions after that on Tuesday's episode. We got a great week of college basketball coming up on the hardwood. I'm fired up about it. Three great games. Uh, Look forward to talking to you about it along with the SEC baseball preview on Tuesday. But, uh, hey, you have a great weekend, and I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock 10 Sports. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.